Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me, as always, are my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jay Hugh. Uh, I know, Joseph, you're excited to, for today's episode because we're am. talking about Invincible. Correct. If, if this were the show, I wouldn't have said that word and the title card would have popped up. I know. I fucking love that. <laughs> oh, it's one of my favorite things. It was one of the ways that they sold me early on the show. Yeah, they, it's pretty inventive, all the ways they come up, you know, to do it every episode. Yeah. But uh, this show, based on a long-running comic from, I don't know, how old is it, Jay? Hill? 15, 15 years old? I, at least, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it ran a good 10 years. So, uh, and it's, I think it's been out of publication about a year or two. So, it's, it's, it ran a good long time. Um, kind of a quasi dc universe style world yeah uh, about a young man named mark grayson who gains superpowers and uh learns a lot about his family and things are not exactly what they seem amazon turned it into an animated show and i before we get into it i gotta say i was impressed because i crap on everything amazon makes I, See, I don't I don't even know I don't crap on everything Amazon makes. I think Amazon does make some good shit. I just think they hate their own content so much yeah. uh, that I was so surprised when the show one was pretty good and two uh, got renewed for anything because usually it's just drop it and forget it and fuck you for even caring. Yeah, they, they announced two seasons of this. They did two more seasons. I mean, it must have been a pretty big hit. Uh, I, you know. This this has a lot of triggers in it of things that I usually fucking hate and I have a real good time watching this show. So uh, I, I, it's well done. So do we want to uh, just kind of talk, you know, I, you, you kind of hit it, the high level view of it, Christian, in that, you know, it, it's a, a story, sort of an origin story for uh, Mark Grayson, who, you know, if we're if we're counting it as a DC analog is essentially just Superman's son. Uh, who is just getting his powers and kind of learning about, you know, becoming a hero and, and, you know, learning about the world of superheroes. There's also a lot of other stuff in there, but I don't right. think we can get into almost any of it without getting into spoilers. Well, what I was going to suggest as a format for this is I think we should talk about the first episode, non-spoilery, then spoiling because that's when the biggest spoiler happens is in yeah. the first episode. Sure. And then just talk about the rest of it all together in one lump. Sure. I, well, I did want to just kind of do a, a general overview for somebody who's hasn't watched it and might want to watch it and why I think they should watch it. And I think it's important to note that this show is hyper violent. You, it definitely is. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's not for children. <laughs> and, yes. and, and here's the thing. Don't watch half of the first episode and think, oh, my kids can handle this. Correct. Yeah, because so, it it definitely does a thing where it makes it's one show and then it's another show. And so, so the, and, and you lead into exactly why I think that this is a really interesting property, because I feel like, you know, there are kind of two minds about like superheroes that. I think as a, as a culture, we've approached it with, and just kind of individually, I think we all come at, at it with, which is, you know, the original, you know, like golden, golden era, silver era comic books. It's all about, you know, here are just some cool people with cool powers. They're stories for kids. They're optimistic. They're hopeful. All these people are the best people who do the best things all the time. They're just the greatest people to like aspire to be. And 
you know, I think that's what appealed to a lot of us besides just, you know, it's cool that they have powers for sure. Like no doubt about that. But I think, you know, the message and the hopeful, optimistic nature is also a big part of the appeal of of why those those stories are so uh, uh, impactful. And I think, you know, again, that's that's what the I think a a lot of the original comic books are, are written towards. And then I think as the people who grew up reading those comics adjusted their their uh you know like the their beloved characters these beloved superheroes in their mind and started writing stories and i think for most of us growing up as we kind of age into you know like adolescence and you know critical thinking about things that we like you kind of start to try to ground these you know like oh well you know like what if superman didn't have a perfect moral compass all the time or you know like just starting to add layers or facets of kind of realism into these stories that are you know specifically designed to be fantastically non-realistic what's the word you like to use escapist i guess is the right word and so i think kind of that thought process and that mentality had led to you know probably like the 80s and probably a lot of now where you get a lot of these uh you know very very dark gritty uh, cynical superhero stories where it's like real life and what if real people with real problems had real superpowers uh, and use them in, in ways that may be kind of morally ambiguous because they're just people, uh, which I, I make it sound stupid, but I mean, I think that's totally legitimate. I think it's totally legitimate, legitimate to like explore those stories. I think there there is value in them. I have enjoyed several of them. I think there's a, plenty of a market for them. And the interesting thing, and this is where I'm, I'm trying to get to, and thank you for guys for sticking with me, is that I think <laughs> I think right now there are stories that cater to the first category and there are, I mean, there are stories and, and media and, you know, TV movies, whatever that cater to the first category and ones that cater to the second category right now that, that you can choose from. If you like either one of those things, this is the first thing I've ever seen where it's kind of having that conversation in the story. Uh, where, where, where those two kind of ideologies about what superheroes are and, and that like discourse is a part of the narrative of the story, which I think is super fascinating. And I feel like it's like 100% geared to us on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, what what I felt like watching this would be like, I feel like it's an outward kind of perspective on superheroes, like how Watchmen is, but also a good superhero story where I don't think Watchmen necessarily is like Watchmen is just the um, pessimistic viewpoint. Right. On comic book culture. And I, and I was thinking, like, again, I don't, I'm not shitting on Watchmen at all. I mean, you, you can shit on Watchmen if you want. I think that's, you know, there, there are I people, like it. Right. I think that story is, is good. I think there are people that want that story. And I think it's totally valid to have it. This is just, I think, more. An, an, yeah, it's an original take. It's, it's, it's a direction I haven't seen before. Yeah, because it, it also has kind of the youthful, hopeful optimism of superheroes in it as well. Like, it's 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 both to me, like both a classic kind of superhero story while also having the upper echelon overview kind of viewpoint critique on superheroes as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would say it's it's like Mark is a character living in a deconstructed superhero world, but is trying to have like an optimistic view of like superheroes, you know, right. like, yeah, you know, I. I'm I'm super I'm super over like deconstruction and like super how would superheroes really be in the real world sort of thinking. I, I don't really think that's how 
superheroes speak on the real world. They speak on the real world through like metaphor and analogy. Uh, but so, like I said, there was a lot about this, particularly when we get to the twist yeah, that well, I was sent to fucking hate, <laughs> but I, I enjoy. And I, I should say this also, I read the comic for a little bit and I, I enjoyed the comic. I mostly tapped out on it because Robert Kirkman has a very decompressed style of writing. So I just didn't feel like I was getting banged for my buck, even right. though <laughs> I was, even though I was enjoying it and I just thought, well, at some point there'll be a way where I can just read this all for cheaper. And, you know, instead we got an animated series, which, uh, you know, eight episodes, I think very consumable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and, you know, it's funny to me about Robert Kirkman specifically is I feel like his messaging is very similar, like Frank Miller, but it takes him 400 times the amount of work words. <laughs> right. right. Totally. One, one thing I, I wanted to say before we really get into plots and stuff like this, one of the things I harp on a lot is that, you know, comics aren't just the stories that the writers tell. They're the stories that the writer and the artist tell. And, and, usually the artist's vision really not a lot of it gets to the uh screen unfiltered this is unfiltered this looks like that comic uh, mm. you know i mean th these designs the way the characters are drawn the way the costumes are drawn uh you know really look like this comic even you know and this is by accident but one of my uh, criticisms of the second artist who worked on this book ryan oddly is he doesn't know how to draw mouths right. Hmm. I think I always think he'd draw a whole book and then go back and add the mouths because they never seem like they're in, facing in the same direction as the faces and stuff like that. But anyways, I think it works for this because, you know, this has a lot of that like anime time saver thing where they'll just have <laughs> a static image with the mouth moving. And it, it sort of looks like, like that guy's artwork. Well, look at that. Yeah. So, something to, to appeal directly to hurt. Something to appeal directly <laughs> to me. Purely by accident, I'm sure. It's possibly, yeah. You know, uh, what's interesting is it yeah. took me a while for the like the look of this show to grow on me, but by the end of it, I really, really liked it. Same, yeah. <laughs> well, also, we're, it's just so bright and colorful. It really does jar you in, when something like, you know, horrible happens, you yeah. know? And, 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 you yeah. know, in a lot of ways, like, when something horrible would happen in Zack Snyder's Justice League, like you're looking for it because, you know, like the main color is black. But man, when somebody's face explodes in this, you're it's it's jarring. And so since I'm still a little bit in pitch mode right before we get into, you know, digging into kind of the, the first episode and the spoilers thereon, uh, you know, like I said, I think I think the main appeal to, of this to me, besides the fact that it looks great, the voice cast is incredible. Uh, the the voice cast is almost distractingly good. There's it is. Just so much. I, I, yeah, I, I wrote down a bunch of them. They got they got <laughs> Stephen Yoon as the main character, J.K. Simmons as this version of Superman, Omni Man, uh, Sandra Oh, Zazie Beetz, Walton Goggins, uh, Gillian Jacobs, Zachary Quinto, Jason Manzukis, Clancy Brown, Mark Hamill, Mahershala Ali, Seth Rogen, Jonathan Groff, Jimon Hansu. Fucking everybody's in this. I missed so much of this show looking for uh looking at shit on uh imdb on, uh, imdb before i remembered oh shit this is amazon you amazon does that for you it's on screen yeah it's literally the greatest thing they've ever done it is totally uh but yeah i, I think you know i think the story itself is good enough to for anybody who hasn't seen it to to jump in if like superheroes and kind of new ways to tell superhero stories are your thing 
but I just think like the universe is really interesting. And even like, you know, it's mainly Mark's story, but like all the, the main side plots and side characters, I also think are really fascinating. I'm, I totally, I'm hooked on all the side characters. I would watch solo episodes about almost any of them. Yeah, that's good. Cause they tease a lot of shit for all those side characters <laughs> sure in do. this first season. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's let's dig into the let's let's get into, you know, the the very first episode where we talk about it's it's uh, Mark. It's he's a teenager who, uh, after a long time of almost thinking he might not get his powers, first starts getting his powers, and it's kind of like you know almost the Sam Raimi Spider Man montage of learning how to be a superhero. Except in this case, he's got a dad that'll teach him how to do it the right way, uh, and that dad is J.K. Simmons. Which is also and, great. And he, he seems like the best dad. Yeah. You know, um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Mark has a very like Peter Parker bent. I know he has like Superman powers, but he definitely has Spider-Man personality. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty fun dynamic to watch Superman as Spider-Man's dad. And I, yeah. I, I can't remember if there's, is, is there anything besides the broad strokes of note in this episode uh, until we get to the end credits of it? Well, I mean, we should admit, we should say that we, we meet, you know, uh, a group of uh, characters that are obvious justice league analogies, uh, you yeah. know, analogies, uh, you know, and when this com- comic launched, that was, that was pretty common. Uh, you know, it seemed like a lot of what people were doing with their creator own shit you know, was to say, well, I want to tell a cool Superman story, but I don't want to give DC any money, so I'll just make up my own Superman. And, you know, that's what this seemed like it was. And I feel like if you're watching this episode without digging into information, that's what this will seem like this as well. Yeah. I do, out of curiosity on that note, Jehu, maybe you can answer this. There's a lot of DC characters-ish, you know, right models in this um and there are i feel like i've recognized a few that you know maybe don't fall into that category but correct was there a reason why there's no like marvel archetypes in this in this property i mean i i think probably just because it's an easier hook with the dc uh superheroes like it's very easy to show someone and have someone realize hey this is a superman ripoff so that guy standing next to him in the dark cape is probably a Batman ripoff and so on and so forth. But, but who's the are... fish guy? What's he an analog of? <laughs> uh, uh, I guess there is maybe, you know, a spoiler with robot later on where you could maybe make an argument that it's kind of uh, a Marvel character possibly. But I was right. just curious. I feel like it would be a good opportunity to kind of mash some of those things up head to head in this. But I, I suppose that's not really the point of the show. I I agree. I think it would be nice to see like, you know, like you could do your own Marvel versus DC in there without, you know, having any of the rights to any of those characters. Yes. So I realize we forgot to say this before we got into this episode. We haven't really gotten into anything, but I would say from this point on spoilers, if you haven't watched the show and you want to watch the show, I think you should watch the show. Be warned from here on out, it, it will affect the rest of, of your viewing experience, probably. Definitely. If you're thinking of watching this, stop it. Watch, uh, watch it right now, or at least watch the first episode right now. Yeah. And uh, and and, and, and stay past the first credits. Yeah. Credit <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, well, okay, getting into spoilers. This is the spoiler right here. I think that's one of the things I loved the most about this is this. It was set up to be 
like, oh, there's something coming out of this after the credits. That's going to give us a little hint to what's coming. Yeah, 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 and for boy, sure. was it not that. It Gosh, was it a, wasn't that. It was a fucking NWO chair shot to the fucking head. It was a heel turn. <laughs> the interesting thing to me about this, uh, there are a lot of interesting things to me about this, is, I again, I, when I watched the show, I just before this watched the Justice League Dark Apocalypse movie, which right. is functionally the same thing uh, where right. the Justice League has a bad plan uh, in, you know, some alternate, it's in the Flashpoint universe. It all goes awry and they all die horrible, visceral deaths. And I didn't give a shit. And I love <laughs> those characters, but I felt absolutely nothing watching this. This fucked me up in this, this <laughs> Omni-Man coming in and just brutally murdering these people that we've, we've only spent, I mean, you know, like, seconds of screen time with each one of them right. but already i cared more about them and cared more about them living than any of the dc characters that i've loved my entire life right, right. Uh, well you know I, I guess we should tell what the event is what happens is that mark's dad who we think is a great guy up in this point who and uh, isn't a member of the of the global guardians stuff they're called the global guardians right guardians of the globe a, but yeah yeah guardians of the globe yeah uh, and um and he, uh, you know, summons them all to meet together and then Stone Cold murders all of them. Uh, you know, it's more of a battle here than it was in the comics. In the comics, it lasts seconds. He just destroys them. And I, I think this worked better in film because it is it's troubling to watch. <laughs> it is troubling. I did have a question and Jehu, I know you didn't read a lot of it and it's been a long time, but how quickly does that happen? So, so that, that's what I wanted to ask you is my understanding in the comics is it's sl- later than what happens in, in the show. Am I, is that I'm, correct? I'm going to say if I just, if I, if what definitely isn't like the first story I'm going to, and, and he like already meets the teen heroes and stuff before it happens and stuff like that. Mark does. I'm going to say it's maybe eight or 12 issues in. I feel like it was 12 issues in, but I'm, I'm remembering from a long time ago, but definitely I had read for a while before that shit happened. So it's in, in a way it was even more of a gut punch in the comics, but I still think it was better executed here. Well, th- that's why I'm curious because I know you mentioned in the comics, you thought that it might've been telegraphed a little hard. Yes. Um, and whereas in this one, the, you know, the one interaction that we have with, with uh, Omni-Man and the guardians, like, it seems like they kind of may not be like the best of friends. Like there's, there's like a little bit of friction here. Right. But it's definitely not implied that he's going to fucking murder the shit out of them in a few hours, <laughs> right. you know? Right, right, right. right. So, like, it, it's such a huge jump from, like, oh, there's, like, a story behind this. There's, you know, like, let's let's find out why they may not be, like, why he's not a member, why they may not be on the best terms to, like, oh, shit. Uh, it's, it, I, to me, it was, it was very surprising. And I, I should say that, you know, uh, Right now, my least favorite comic trope in the world is evil Superman. I'm so fucking over it. It's so done to death. And while this, you know, isn't what, you know, the comic wasn't anywhere near the first comic to do it. I think it was done far enough back that I'll give it a pass on being a part of that trend. And also, it just seems like it's doing it better than anybody else doing it right now. Also, in this particular case... You know, if if it was a Superman story, even though he's is Superman in the universe as an analog, you know, in this world, Mark is supposed to be Superman. Right, 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 right. 
Yeah. Um, so I kind of took this a different route, actually. Like, uh, it's obviously very clearly a Superman goes evil story. But I also uh, really picked up. Uh, what if Goku never fell on his head as a baby? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, Goku really is different Superman, Dragon but... Ball. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of this when I saw it. But what was that fucking James Gunn evil Superboy movie? Oh yeah, I forgot that thing even I existed. I forgot what it is too. But yeah, I, I mean, it was real shitty, and I watched it, but I didn't even think of it at the time. That it just completely stole its premise from this. Yeah. So I, I feel like that sets the tone of, of kind of the rest of the episodes. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, w- we as the audience get to see both sides of the story. You know, there's this there's this cynical backstory of, of, you know, Nolan who murdered the Guardians and some other folks, including, I would say, a better Nick Fury in Cecil Stedman. Uh, right. And uh, Clancy Brown's demon guy, who are you know kind of kind of suspicious, but don't have enough to to pin it on him. And I, like, I guess the Cecil character that is kind of a Marvel, like that is very Nick Fury. You can maybe make an argument for like right. Amanda Waller, but it's definitely more Nick Fury. I definitely think more Nick Fury. I mean, and and the same thing with the demon character. I mean, that's Hellboy. He has, yeah, he has some like DC supernatural characters in there, but he's the most like Hellboy. He's yeah. an investigator from hell, you know. Yeah. That's why that was the one. That's what I. That's the character I was talking about when I asked the question. Because right. if you used Hellboy, like, and again, you 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 kind of used a Nick Fury character. Why not turn more into that? Because then you could just have a whole other layer of storytelling in this property. Maybe it'll right. come later, but it, it just wasn't really prevalent in the first season. But you know, in the in the main story, it's mostly kind of Mark grappling with kind of you know, being an optimistic guy and kind of, you know, like we said, like kind of a deconstructed, realistic superhero world. Uh, right. But what I like about it is like, it doesn't, it doesn't deter him, you know, it, it, it <laughs> like, you know, the very first fight he has with the teen team, which is, you know, there's so many great characters we don't have time to like really dive into, but mm. I love everybody. Um, <laughs> but where, uh, you know, it, first off, the battle is chaos. It's way more like bloody and gruesome than he imagined in his head. And he thinks like, oh, I'm a superhero. I'm going to go save people. Uh, and one of the first people he tries to save is the old lady. And he hurts her from trying right. to save her. And I love that. Uh, because yeah, that it's was, such, that was it's such a small detail and it like affects him so much. And it's so like uh, relatable. Like, you know, you feel like if you were in that moment, like, oh, no, I didn't realize how hard I was grabbing. Like, oh. Uh, it's it's just such a it's such a lo- like great touch I think to to make this kind of uh, you know interesting you know again like it could have had her like he ran into her and then she uh, got hit by a thing and exploded but I don't know that, that's a more interesting character development uh, choice. Um, you, you know, you you mentioned the chaos of the battles. One thing I really wanted to uh, touch on with this show is that they're really good at finding something for all the characters to be doing in the battles. Like I remember uh, Bruce Tim doing an interview of what the hardest thing of learning to do the Justice League show was, was when you were doing a battle, how do you find something for everybody to do? How do you present a threat that Superman can't just fix by himself? Right. Uh, and uh, and th- like that is definitely, you know, they do a great job of that. Every character is doing something in the battle and it's something Mark can't fix himself with you know, all the strength he has, it, it's too much for him. So I, I really enjoyed that. 
I, I do love, you know, the, the, the internet has been having a, a good time. And I suspect, you know, the title of the book is having a good time with the fact that every single episode besides the first one just has Mark getting beaten to a bloody shit at the, <laughs> at the end of the yeah. episode. <laughs> he gets his ass kicked a lot in this. Right. Show. Yeah. I don't necessarily feel like I need to, to, to beat into specific plot points. Are there specific things that you guys wanted to talk about uh, that really stuck out to you that was great in this um, I, you know, I liked Alan the Alien a lot. Me uh, too. I, I can remember that from the book and remember thinking it was kind of dumb in the book. And again, the show, the show sold it really well. I, I thought that scene was pretty great. You know, we, we talk, I, I feel like in many ways, there's kind of an analog of just, you know, it's, it's Mark becoming a superhero, but in many ways, it's just kind of an analog of like child progressing into adulthood i feel like right. uh and I, I think that you know in many ways a lot of the circumstances he's faced with including the alan the alien is like okay i think i know what this is i've seen i've seen grown-ups do it i know what i'm supposed to do and then he gets up there and it's something completely different than what he was expecting and then he's like wait wait, wait hang on what are the rules now <laughs> this is yeah. not, not what i thought at all that was actually made me my favorite sequence in the whole show i thought that it's was really, really good funny. yeah I uh one thing that I think is really interesting about this show is that and we talk about the great cast. All of these people are super typecast. I feel like I mean, Zachary right. Quinto just I mean, plays Spock. I know, but Zachary <laughs> Quinto as a robot is great. Yeah, yeah. well, the, it is, but it's not. That's it's not a detriment to this show. Like sure. it's almost because they're typecast, it makes it better. Like as yeah, soon totally. as he. When the moment I heard Robot's voice, I was like, oh, this it's perfect. New, who are you going to get to do better than Zachary Quinto for this role? Right. And just and then because it's almost like there's so many ties to pop culture in this thing and superhero culture and even science fiction. I mean, that bit on Mars is both super Martian Manhunter, but those are face huggers, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it makes sense that you would cast these people, you know, Mark Hamill's voice. It's uh, is, as good as he is in voice acting. It's almost a detriment because you always know it's Mark Hamill all the time, but it would have felt wrong if he hadn't been in the show. So I, I feel like oddly enough, typecasting works a lot in this show in its favor it just feels like another layer of um yeah kind of this ode to pop culture ode to superhero culture and because a lot of these people also you know i played other superhero characters right uh yeah i I, I love i don't think that when casting or thinking about the character walton goggins would have been my first choice even for like you know southern schemer guy just right. because traditionally he's like he's 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 got a much bigger personality that I think uh, Cecil has in uh, in this show, but right. fuck, he's great in it. I love him yeah. so much. He's my favorite character. Christian, uh, you said about the about the pop culture and thing and stuff like that. You know, I, I didn't even think of this till you were saying that. But uh, there's this other YouTube channel I've I've mentioned before on here called Cartoon Escape Abe, and they uh, one of their big things is they they're sort of they sort of like take the defense of the early image stuff. And one of the things they describe it as, I think is like, well, what those guys were doing was those guys were just like kids taking action figures and mashing them together. And I think this is like that, but with a good story, like it's Mm. just, it's just like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if facehuggers showed up, but also, you know, also, but let's make it cool. You know? I don't have much else. That's I mean, fine. It's... Well, the, 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 the big thing that I wanted to talk about outside of, you know, kind of the original, the, the main 
conflict arc that we're that we're building to you know kind of again this idealistic superhero world versus you know the deconstructed more cynical one uh is because you know a lot of the story is you know mark learning the realities of the superhero world and kind of struggling to hold his ideal of what he thought it was going to be while also like you know living in this actual world uh whereas a lot of nolan shit is is just you know uh, hiding and being evil and getting found out. Uh, but I think one of the most interesting endings is the last episode, uh, because t- correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, hurt, but I, my understanding is in the comics, the reason Omni-Man leaves is different. Yeah. See, the thing is, I think this is farther along. So I don't really remember. I never, I don't think I got to the point where he, where he left. Okay. So my, my understanding, I, I've tried to read as sparingly as I can because I don't want to spoil more of the story, even though they've right. di- diverted the story. My understanding is that bit where he disappears into the alien world that he just destroys the whole fucking world. Right. Uh, that's where he's gone. Like, he's just gone for a good while. Uh, oh, right on. Uh, yeah. Uh, but this is like, like such a more interesting character choice, I guess. Uh, because to me, you know, uh, this is something that Hurt alluded to, I think, at the beginning when he was talking about, you know, kind of the roteness of these deconstructed superhero stories is a lot of the time the story or the, the, the beat is, you know, th- there's an optimistic character like a Mark uh, in the universe that, you know, is, is, does not conform in any way to what his, his ideals and hopes and optimism, you know, like, you know, the, the world is, is directly out to get him. And the, the remainder of the story is essentially the world beating Mark down or meeting, beating that character down until he's also cynical and realistic and, you know, fits into that world or dies. Um, which is, you know, again, it's a story. It has legitimate value. But what I think is interesting about this is if we're, if we're treating Mark's story and Nolan's story as kind of these two competing uh, ideologies is they both kind of come away feeling differently about each other at the end of it. Uh, because absolutely, you know, w- one of the things I like about Nolan's kind of like breakdown at the end when he's, when he's fighting Mark and, and trying to explain to him why he should come to his side is to me, you know, for, for the most of the story, Nolan's motivations have been really opaque. We've seen Nolan from the outside, but we haven't really gotten, you know, his inner monologue, but to me, it feels like almost he doesn't fully believe all the things that he's trying to sell Mark on. And so he's just trying to sell them harder. And so, you know, the, the, the whole ridiculous massacre bit and, and the fight and, the, and the, the, the shoving Mark's face in the subway and destroying all this life to prove how little the life mattered to me, uh, to me, was, was very much like, I'm kind of uncertain of my position, so I'm going to double down on my position. Right. Uh, mm. But but then but then for for the final confrontation when he's beaten Mark because of course he beats Mark you know right, I, right. I, I, there was like a part of me that was like maybe it'll be a real fight but like he's been Superman for like hundreds and hundreds of years he's right it was it was not even remotely a fight uh, but he's got Mark beaten to a pulp and you know truly if he truly meant all the things that he said that you know none of this meant anything to him that uh, you know his time on Earth was a blip that uh his you know his wife is a pet that he can you know he even says like what's another 17 years i can make another one uh (laughs) to have him have that like you know like he chooses he's not beaten down his ideology isn't isn't shown to be wrong or any of this kind of stuff he's confronted with a situation where he's in power 
and he can follow through with the worldview that he believes in, but a part of him is moved, uh, you know, by, by Mark and by, you know, again, by extension, kind of Mark's ideology. Uh, and he changes his mind. He changes, uh, which I think is like such a more interesting take than him just disappearing onto an alien world for a while. Like he chooses to leave. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I was, that, that was the bit that like, I was already in love with the show, but like when that, that moment really sold me, it's like, Oh man, they're like, they're really trying to make like an, a, a different take on this. Yeah. I, I, I like, you know, again, I didn't follow that far in, but I like hearing that they're veering from the, the comic just because, you know, Robert Kirkman's other property, the walking dead was always its weakest when it just adhered to we've got to get to this point that the comic got to and we got to get to this point and you know even times when it seemed like oh we're doing things different they really weren't they were just following that blueprint i like the idea that this is maybe going to do something different and do its own thing yeah this is not nearly as deep as what you guys are talking about but it is something that I did enjoy because I've only recently become familiar with this property. Um, and, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but it really felt like, especially the teen unit was far more inspired by doom patrol than it was teen Titans. And mm, I think that's totally. a great decision. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I love that. I, I, totally. I hadn't uh, even thought of that, but that is a great point. <laughs> uh, one thing I meant to mention early on about this, but I, 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 I just thought of it. How does anyone in this fucking world have a secret identity? They all aren't even barely trying to keep them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I like I like that they they kind of write it off it, it, like in universe as kind of a meta joke. It was like if people aren't expecting to see you there, they don't look for it. Right. Is, is there is like you know their one and done explanation of of why they don't need it. But like Mark and his dad hang out in the sky right above their house, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and like, I mean, like I could I could get away with like mark maybe he's got a face thing on but like that mustache and and the the uh the salt and pepper sideburn thing that omni-man's got it's pretty fucking identifiable yeah. I'd or eve. Right. Her, yeah. her name is eve her superhero name is eve she doesn't wear a mask right. she's the same person right totally I, I do like that they even after she told uh mark's friends that they didn't even like know who she was yeah there's so many superheroes <laughs> But I, I feel like that's, I mean, is there anything else you guys wanted to hit on? I feel like that's kind of the main gist. I just, I think, I think this, the the thing that stuck with me is this, this show is telling an interesting story in a time where I think it's pretty hard to come up with an interesting superhero story these days. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I, I don't know there. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of jokes to say about this because I just actually really liked it. Yeah. You know? Same. Like, uh, but definitely better than Transformers. Yeah. It's definitely better than Transformers. I, I really in I'm going to compare this to another Amazon property. I enjoyed this cynical look at superheroes much more than I enjoyed the boys. And I don't, it's, it's just, just, I appreciate that. It's not all negative all the time. Like I really like like Mark's story. Just if you can hit on this, it's like, while this is also kind of a overview look on superheroes, it's also very much just this kid learning how to be a superhero. And I really right. enjoyed that aspect of this story. I thought that's a welcome addition to kind of the cynicism or the conversation we can have about comic books and comic book characters and all that. Man, great point bringing up the boys. Cause I mean, yeah, it is, it is so much touching on the same things, but this is so much 
just better in every way. Really, it just makes me think that, man, we should be doing more animated super superhero science fiction comic book stuff. Like, mm. it's such a good format for doing that stuff. And we're just so hung up on doing live action shit, you know, that I, I, I would much more. I'd rather see, you know, 10 more series like this than whatever shit DC Warner is going to put out over the next decade. I, uh, I agree with you, Christian. I think one of the things that sets it apart is I don't feel like it's, it's using its R rated material. If, if I can call it that uh, just to be R rated material, I feel like, uh, you know, uh, minus some of the violence, I would say sometimes they, they, they stick in about one quote unquote shock violence uh, right. per episode and I don't think they all land, but I would say most of the time when when they're hitting you with that the the extreme violence, it like a narrative point, and I I think it is effective in the storytelling. And you know they don't they don't just lean on on you know uh, sex and fucks and right. uh, and yeah. and gruesome shit just to do it. It's usually like for a narrative purpose, like the boys often does. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, well that is yeah. that is what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Of course, this isn't a show for a 14-year-old. Uh, man, if I was 14, I would fucking love this shit. Yeah. Like, how <laughs> lucky are 14-year-olds who have this? And, you know, like a 14-year-old who's watching the boys, he might grow up to be an asshole. You might not want yeah. him to do that. Yeah. But he's going to be fine if he watches this. At the end of the day, the message of this show is don't be an asshole. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's invincible, and why everyone should go out and fucking watch it because it's really good. Yes, better, better than, than Transformers. Transformers. Hey, just yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I think that's it for Invincible. Can't like I like we said at the beginning, it's uh, renewed for two more seasons on Amazon, which is I think really great. Uh, you know, my understanding is the story just kind of scopes out bigger and bigger as as we go on. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I, I isn't there also a live action movie in development? There is. Yes. Is there? Yep. Yeah, I, I hope they just stop. God, please just stop. Like what you're doing yeah. now is good. Yeah. yeah. I, I do not trust Hollywood to not ruin what works in this in a no, hundred percent. It will become the boys. Yeah. It, that, right. The live action version will become the boys. And yeah. it's not gonna have the hopeful charm yeah. of this also, show. This doesn't need a level up. It's good as it is. Yes, yeah, like, agreed. You know, so, yep, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully uh, we just get another season of this and not a movie. We'll see. Uh, what, what, have we, uh, what have we been watching this past week, guys? I really can't remember anything that I've been watching. Uh, so I'm just going to make a few quick notes of things I know for a fact I did watch. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the season premiere of uh, The Bad Batch came out. It's fucking excellent. Like Right on. It. It was not a show I was really anticipating. I didn't really love the backdoor pilot in the last season of Clone Wars, but it's it's talking about not needing a, not needing the leg up. Like the last few iterations of Star Wars animation have been so fucking good. It, it's just outshining the, everything the movies do, and I really really like that episode. I'm really excited to see where that show continues to go. I know we we try to stay away from the or people the execs at Lucasfilm are trying to stay away from prequel era shit. Um, this takes place immediately after the rise of the empire, and it's just it's I just want to see more of that time period, mm. and especially for these characters, for the clones themselves, what happens to them, and how do they respond to that? 
Um, it's it's really I, I really can't recommend the animation is great. I was a big fan of that first episode. Really liked it. Um, are we going to do Mortal Kombat? If not, then I will talk about it. But I, I have I, I'm not really like Jones to watch that shit. So same. <laughs> so okay. if, if, if you want to tell us about it, go for it. Um, look, I mean, it's probably Transformers. Uh, it's as equal as I think a movie can be. It's fine. I don't, I, you know, the 1995 version is worse. It is a worse movie, but I have nostalgia for it. So I will always choose to watch that over the new one. Um, my biggest issue, and this is a spoiler warning. And if you guys aren't going to watch it, I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyway, you should not name a movie mortal Kombat If you're not going to include the fucking tournament in it, it's not in it. The mortal Kombat itself as an event is not in this movie. Don't fucking call it mortal Kombat. Um, I had heard that shit. And that's exactly why I'm like, man, I don't want to watch this shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's really annoying to me that they did. And they're like, you know, the root, the, the, the idea is we'll do a before a during and after don't fucking milk me. You're right. Just give it to me straight up. Right. Um, there were, I think there was some cooler opportunities with the characters that they did not maximize. Um, specifically they have a, a new character that they introduced just for the film Cole young. Um, Ian and I were texting back and forth and I feel like we came up with like four way cooler plot lines for that dude <laughs> with shit that was like presented in the film where you're like, Oh, the last 10 minutes, it's clearly going to be one of these things. And then it's none of those things. And I don't know. It's just, it's disappointing. Uh, the cast is good for a Mortal Kombat film. The acting is not great. The action is pretty good. I, again, I don't know. It's, it's fine. Um, the only other thing I started tenant and I got so fucking bored by that movie <laughs> that I turned it off. It's the first time I probably will never go back to a Nolan film. And of the like 40 minutes I watched, it was terrible. I have no interest in watching that movie. Worse than Transformers. I'm tired of pretending Christopher Nolan is a good director. That's well, it. That's not fair to his prior work, but sure. I like like two of his films. <laughs> the rest I um, could do without. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think he had at this point has his head too far up his own ass. Yes. You know, I, I wouldn't go as so far as say he's a bad director, but that guy is drinking his own fucking Kool-Aid. Is this is the most Christopher Nolan shit. Like it yeah. is it is everything he like there are attributes of this movie in every other one of his previous movies. And the fact that it isn't all just like Nolan jerking himself off makes those other movies better than this one. Like mm-hmm. There was just nobody to tell him no. It's Lucas and the prequels. I mean, it's 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 just it's I don't know. It's just not good. It, it's funny. I, I didn't really have anything to talk about during my section. And when I saw this movie in July, I never did anything on it. I always threatened to, but never did. So that's what I'm gonna do with my time. I'm gonna talk Perfect. about Tenet. Uh, yeah, you know the thing is, I I just wish he would have just made the James Bond movie. Yeah, like this agreed. is this is some confusing sci-fi shit based in based in the structure of a james bond movie and i i fucking enjoyed the james bond movie but i didn't know what was fucking going on because the time travel was confusing and the fucking exposition that that to describe it could not be heard 
the know? only thing the only thing you can hear in this movie is the bowels like that's the only auto <laughs> right. and those things are fucking loud i don't have a sound bar or shit on my tv but like when that happens the whole fucking house shakes just bow right. Right. It's, it's weird that become that christopher nolan is becoming more of a meme version of himself <laughs> right, right. He hasn't he hasn't looked himself up on the internet yet. He hasn't done what Vin Diesel did. He needs to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's just I, like I liked everybody in it. I thought it was a cool looking movie, but it it didn't break any grounds as far as looking uh, any different than any of his other movies. It looked like a Christopher Nolan movie. It just it was based around a fucking a time travel thing that he I don't know if he on purpose thought it was confusing or if he just thought, since I understood this, understand this, anyone can understand. this. Uh, you know, um, I, I may have used this analogy before, but going to Star Trek, the next generation, there's an episode where Q loses his powers mm-hmm. and they're trying to save a, a planet from its moon cra- crashing into it. And he tells Picard, well, why don't you just change the gravitational continuum of the universe? Like he doesn't understand how that isn't an option for everybody and that they don't understand that. I feel that's what Christopher Nolan was with the time travel in this movie. He's like, oh, well, I understand this. So it's understandable. And it probably could have been with dialogue. You could. So, yeah, yeah I, I think a big problem to that point, J. Hugh, is he he. I think he looked at this topic of time travel and thought or time travel movies and thought I can make the best one and I'm going to do it by not following any of the rules that have ever been set before. I'm going to make my own set of rules and it'll make sense because this is going to be in his mind, the only way time travel actually fucking works. Right. The problem is you never tell me the rules or you do, but it's like negative decibels and I don't ever catch it. (laughs) Right. And I watch with subtitles and I still didn't fucking understand what they're talking (laughs) about. And the thing is, everybody, you know, talks about, oh, man, his movies are so confusing. You really got to pay attention. But like, I have no problem following Inception. I have no problem following Memento. I have no problem following uh, Interstellar. Like those movies have very cause and effect plots. They make total sense. This this movie did not to me. So, yeah, I, if you would ask me right after Saw, I, I would have probably said better than Transformers. And I would still say better than Transformers, maybe for just the job that the actors did, because they all everybody in it did a good job, but probably worse than Transformers. Every, I was, every, everybody in it did a better than Transformers job, except Chris Nolan. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I will say this. It looks I, I think it does look great. Like it, right. it. There are some beautiful shots in this movie. It's very crisp. Like, you know, he he's real anal about seeing things on the biggest screen possible in the highest definition and everything. And I, I can get why you would want people to see this movie that way. But I just I'm thankful I didn't pay the price of admission because <laughs> Twitter was way more interesting. <laughs> right. Um, what? Uh- what, what's the lead actor's name in this? I can't think of his name. At the, John at the David Washington. John. No, that's right. Make, John David Washington. Him, yeah. Make him the next Bond. This is going to be the first time I've said this. Anyone said this in the history of this podcast. Don't make it Idris. Make it that guy. He, he's already proved. He can do it. <laughs> yeah. And you're right, Jay Hugh. I mean, there is Ian and I text a little bit about it, too. And, and he was 
he made the point he's like it's a great bond movie but it's a terrible movie outside of that like (laughs) the parts that are very bond-esque because there's a lot of like espionage and rich people getting shot at and all you know all the things that make a bond movie there's boat sequences like i mean that if you just made a, a simple linear narrative structure it would probably be a way better movie like it's totally. it's just complex for the sake of being complex and it's not good complexity uh it's complexity that made me a person who likes sci-fi right not give a shit right totally yeah i like complexity in my movies but this one just it just it, again it just got lost up its own ass i yeah. uh I, uh, you know, man, real phonies, this might be the most us thing we're covering tenant, you know, 10 months later, but yeah, worse than transformers. Agreed. I like, uh, I like John David Washington as the new bond, just because I feel like we've, we've been owed an American bond for a while after having a British Superman. It just totally, it just seems fair. And you know, like, uh, I I can remember when, uh, Roger Ebert made the pitch of Denzel being bond. So this could be. Kind of like, you know, uh, Roger Ebert's dream finally coming true. Yeah, yeah, close enough. Yeah. I feel like I could have made a better transition into this from what we're just talking about, but I can't think of one at the moment. Uh, My wife and I watched the first episode of Lupin because uh, my in-laws will not let me not watch Lupin. I don't even know what Lupin is. You had, like, black guy espionage. There were, like, a lot of things there. Europe. There were so many toss softball things you could. I, I know up I, I had a lot of options. I just I didn't go with them. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, Lupin it's a French show. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's kind of a, a it, it's a heist show essentially. Uh, but it's it's about uh, I guess it's based on an actual like collection of stories about a gentleman thief named Lupin. But in this case, it's in a modern time, and he's inspired by the those stories. Uh, it's made by the same guy who made Now You See Me and Now You See Me Too, uh-huh. right? Which uh, are are the the very definition of uh, a category of movies that I describe to people as uh, movies that are better on mute, <laughs> in in the sense where to, to for the Now You See Me movies, I think visually it's really interesting, like what's going on, but the explanation of the people in the dialogue and the exposition of what's go- like explaining how things are connecting between scenes makes those scenes worse than if you just saw the scenes and then your brain put something together that you thought would make sense. And uh, I will say one episode into Lupin, it's a similar vibe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is. It's, it's really like, it's really visually arresting. I think they do a really good job of like, it, it feels like the visuals feel like a magic trick, which I think is good. It's cinema. I think that's, you know, I, I think that's perfectly okay. The problem is everything that's in between and everything that's written on a page that someone has to say, uh, that's terrible. So I, I, <laughs> I don't think I can convince my wife to watch the rest of it on mute, but I genuinely think it would be better. I'm going to give it at least another two episodes. I don't think it was bad. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely shorter than transformers. <laughs> right. Uh, and it, it, it's 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 the perfect kind of like if you turn your brain off just enough, it's a pretty good time. So I'll, I'll probably give it another couple episodes. Also, My Hero Academia is back, yep. uh, which we could have watched some of the new episodes and we did watch a few of them. But instead of that, the, the wife and I went back and rewatched the tournament arc from My Hero Academia because tournament arcs are the best. I think it's something that comes up on this podcast a lot. And I think uh, it might be our, our divine duty 
to uh, find a way to make tournament arcs work in a movie format. Because yeah, if nobody, we could crack that, we'd be fucking rich. Nobody else seems <laughs> to be doing it. We seem to be the only people that have a problem with it. It seems like it's our responsibility to make this happen. Again, going back to Mortal Kombat, it's a movie about a tournament. I know that they decided I, not that's, to that's include exactly the what tournament. Reminded me of it. Yeah. <laughs> right, they, they decided that was the part that didn't work. Yeah, uh, you know, like say, okay, we, we can make everything else work. We just can't make the tournament, but it's about a tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody will notice that. Of course, we notice. <laughs> I, that. I just, I just feel like Christian and, and I, and probably some other folks' knowledge of anime, which has weaponized, I would argue, the tournament arc to its highest potential. Uh, I feel like I feel like we can do better. Right. Yeah. Well, when you when you def- give me Dragon Ball at the age of six years old, like I'm going to be conditioned to think everything should have a tournament in it. So <laughs> and it should <laughs> and it should. <laughs> Damn it. But anyway, that's that's all I've been watching. I did have a one quick question for you. Yeah. Sorry, Hurt. You can tune out for a minute. Are you current on Critical Role? I'm, I'm one episode behind. <laughs> That fucking robot is definitely the big bad of campaign three. Is all I'm saying. I, ooh, that's a fair point. That could be. There will be repercussions for sure. I, for that. I think so, too. That's it. That's good. Next week, I don't think we're doing Mortal Kombat. Uh, so we'll have, to, <laughs> we'll have to come up with some other kind of content to uh, to give to you guys. But we will be back with something for sure. I, you know, I was going to say we could do good tournament movies, but I think we just d- decided there aren't any. I know. Know. We can just talk about bad tournament movies. <laughs> I mean, you know, how many tournament movies are there? I don't know. I mean, you know, Enter the Dragon's good. That's true. That's true. I mean, it it's, is the it's, it's the queen not, mother of tournament movies, really. It's it's maybe not like it's maybe not exciting by today's standards, but it's a it's a solid movie. Yeah. Um, Wait, is, is yeah, Enter, I don't know. Is what, Enter the Dragon the one with Chuck Norris? Is Enter the Dragon with the one with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? I believe it's the one with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, I yeah, love I think, that I one. Think that, <laughs> I think Chuck Norris shows up in a different uh, Bruce Lee Bruce movie. Lee movie. Okay, yeah, uh, those are the only two uh, that I've ever seen. He right? gets the footprint to the chest. Yes, I, fu- I fucking love that shit. That's the yeah, one that, that he he uh, he died before it finished, I think, and they just kind of cobbled it together, and it's still a really good movie. Right. I just want to throw this out there because it's a fact that's been in my brain since you mentioned the name Lupin. Interesting thing talking about you know kind of a correlation of our interest here. Joseph, the character Lupin the Third, which is a famous anime character, is supposedly the grandson of the character of Lupin from the ah, show. That makes sense. Uh, for yep. I thought for a second it was based on the anime, and then I found out they both have. That makes more sense. They both have a a common uh, relative. Common relative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, very good. Man, I, I thought I was gonna. I thought I'd hit geek rock bottom with my cue analogy, but you guys had to talk. <laughs> That's I was in on both of them. I love that episode of Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorites. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, you know, again, join us next week. We'll have our, our normal shit for you. It doesn't really matter what we talk about, does it? Maybe it does. <laughs> if it does, tell us uh, at realphonesgmail.com. Tell us any other episodes, suggestions, uh, movies you want to talk about, uh, genre films, anything. Hit us up. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you guys for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Please watch Invincible. I really think it's good. Again, realphonies gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for our and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later. <laughs>